shut up, you listen to my monkey mouth. As a companion, when you got pun on the canoe route, popped in a portal and got in a fight. Elias knocked him out. Bow, Marco fighting style. Bow, you will see he tapped out. Bow, we win, we get crowned. Monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth. everybody well fucking fuck that what's up armchair army this is joshua with armchair mma back again with our 14th iteration on this episode we're going to be good we're going to be doing a ufc 277 preview uh we're also going to talk about the fight cards that happened between ufc 276 and 277 but cheers to us guys Now, this card, 277, is in Dallas. I'm actually going to be going to it. If I'm not mistaken, this year when they did it in uh, Austin, Houston, and Dallas is the first time in the promotion's history where they've done all three locations in Texas in a single calendar year, and me and my boys have gone to them all. So... Uh, it's the Texas trifecta, is what we've been calling it. We're pretty fucking pumped. Um, we've had a. I really like going to the fights live. Um, it's always a good time. I enjoy myself. There can be some drunken belligerence, but that comes with the territory. Whenever you're going to watch fights, so you know, just know what you're getting into and uh, spill yourself. You know, get ready. You know, the the guy who uh, goes in to defuse the bomb always like kind of like gets himself ready before he goes, right? So just get yourself ready for what you're going to experience out there. But, uh, 277 looks like a ton of fun, man. Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunez. This is a rematch, right? Uh, Juliana Pena turned the entire mixed martial arts world on its head whenever she uh, stunned Amanda Nunez, choked her in the second round, gassed her out, beat her up, had a beautiful-looking jab. Um, yeah, man, just looked amazing um looked like she could take amanda's punches um and uh you know was winning a lot of the exchanges with a stiff jab and um yeah looked great i i thought i mean obviously she looked great she beat the lioness who's you know the consensus goat of women's mixed martial arts so if you beat her obviously you're gonna look great um let's see so i mean she lost her beat sarah mccann beat amanda nunez now she's back fighting Amanda Nunez. Uh, you know, if I'm being really frank, um, I hate to do this to the girl, but I'm going to probably pick Amanda Nunez in this fight. Um, I forgot what a beast 
immense Nunez is. Um, she is frankly on a different level than most, and um, I think that that loss is going to be like the first thing that's really kind of shook her up and gotten her to reorient herself in a really long time. And so, um, you know, I, I reckon she's got her like own training facility now, which is really cool. And uh, she's just like entirely dedicated to her craft, um, is, is what it seems. It's definitely like the narrative that they're creating on all the promotional material that the UFC is publicizing so far. Um, you know, five rounds in Dallas, Texas. We're going to see how it goes. Um, obviously, at this point, if Juliana wins again, I'm not going to be surprised, right? You can't be surprised if she goes in there and does what she's already done once before. Um, I just do believe that Amanda Nunez is going to be in a slightly different headspace. I mean, Juliana Pena was even talking in the promotional material leading up to the first fight that she was aware that Amanda Nunez hadn't necessarily been committing the appropriate time to her training, that she was busy, like, setting up a farm with her family and, like, shit like that. You know, like, she, she Juliana kind of knew that Amanda hadn't been in the gym like she was supposed to have been in order for her to maintain her status as champion, whereas now... Um, I do not believe that's the case. I believe that Amanda has an entire facility entirely dedicated to her and that she's up there immersing herself in her craft so that she can eventually flop. It's what it seems like, uh, and I think that's going to be a really, really, really difficult Amanda, Amanda Nunez to defeat. So, I'm going to pick Amanda Nunez. I'm sorry, Juliana, for the disrespect. I don't mean the disrespect. I just got to speak my honest truth, and I hope you prove me wrong. I hope you prove me wrong. You know, so I guess that's that's the honest truth of it. My head says Amanda, my heart says Juliana. So we can we can settle with that. Uh, the next fight on the car is Brandon Marino and Kai Kara France, and I believe this is for a uh, interim title. Yeah, I think that Davison is in some way out, and so yeah, these two are fighting for the for the like pretend straps so that they can effectively have like a solidified guaranteed number one contender spot after this fight. Um, Brandon Marino in his last few fights, I mean his last few fights have all been fucking Davis and Figueroa, right? He uh, he beat Jusier Formiga, beat Brendan Royval, had a draw with Davis and Figueroa, beat Davis and Figueroa with a rear naked choke, and then lost a unanimous decision to Davis and Figueroa. And so, um, but I mean, before that, I mean, it's, it's, well, he beat Kai Kara France and with a unanimous decision back at UFC 245, so this is a rematch, this has got some, like, extra sauce on it, right? Um, they were both young guys at that time, um, I mean, this is 2019, that's three years ago, they're both, they're both going to be, uh, developed as mixed martial artists in the MMA, right? You would hope that in three years these guys would get better, two and a half years, however long. To a Kai Kara Francis most recent record is he, he beat Oscar Askarov in unanimous decision um, on the Blade versus Dawkins card uh, back in March. He TKO'd Cardi Garbrandt in like a really emphatic fashion at UFC 269, uh, and then he uh, KO'd uh, Rogero Bontorini, excuse me, at UFC 259. Uh, and then he lost to Brandon Royval back at 253. Uh, and uh, he beat Tyson Nam in a fight night in 2020. And then we get all the way back to the loss at Brandon Marino. So 
He took a loss against Brandon Marino uh, in September of 2020. I believe Brandon Marino also fought Brandon Royval. Brandon, so he beat Brandon Royval. He TKO'd Brandon Royval. Um, so he has TKO'd a guy who Kai Carlson has lost to. Uh, and he also won the head-to-head -head back in the day. So, probably going to have to pick Brendan on that one, you know? Um, just like kind of the, the choice you make when you add all that up together and you, and you consider it and you chew on it. So, uh, Fun's choice in this one is probably going to be Brendan Marino. But again, I, I always hate making picks because I feel as though I'm disrespecting the other fighter who... Um, you know, isn't getting my nod, but at the end of the day, I know that Kai Kara France is an absolute savage, and I know that he, um, you know, isn't necessarily out of this fight at all by any means, but definitely, definitely, definitely could do some amazing stuff in the ring. He's a super exciting fighter. Um, he's trading over there with, like, Eugene Berriman and them in the same gym as Israel Adesanya, and where Volkan Ostemir comes in to train at very often, and so, um, you know, he's... He, you're a product of your environment. He's surrounded by excellent coaches and amazing talent, and so he's gonna he's gonna be good. You can pretty much bank on that. Let's see what the next card, what the next fight is. Okay, so we have Derek Lewis versus Sergey Pavlovich, and I don't know if I necessarily really like this fight for Derek. I know that Sergey is. I mean, the man's only got one loss. I mean, he's. Three and one in the UFC. He lost back in 2018 to Alistair Overeem. Uh, then he then KO'd uh, Marcelo Gom and TKO'd Maurice Green. Which, you know those guys are both good, but neither of them are like the over the war, over the top talents. You know they're they're not like the guys that are going to punch his way into the title contender spot at all, but um, he did knock uh, TKO Shamil Abdurakimov, which is a much more impressive win and a step up in competition, and that's why he's getting uh, Derek Lewis now, and so the thing is that he's got lots of punching power, right, I mean, um, Almost all of his wins outside of the UFC have been KOs and TKOs, and so big puncher. Um, and he's only lost to Alistair Overeem, who is a legend. There's never any shame in losing to Alistair Overeem. I'm not really prepared to hold that against him too much. Um, and in Texas, uh, I know that it seems like Derek has a hard time performing in front of the hometown crowd, which again. Derek's from Houston. It isn't necessarily his his home crowd, home crowd. Um, so he may not be feeling that pressure as much. But it seems like Derek does not uh, bide well with lots and lots of pressure. And it seems like he gives himself lots of extra pressure anytime he's fighting in front of the hometown crowd. I actually wish they quit doing it to him. Uh, he's spoken pretty frankly about uh, how the the added pressure of fighting in front of a home a home crowd um, kind of gives him trouble. So I wish that uh, this was in Russia where he could go and just steal the show and do amazing Derek Lewis things. Uh, maybe I should feel a little bit better about picking Derek Lewis. Um, but I'm from Texas and so I'm uh, literally obliged
obliged to pick Derek Lewis, and I refuse to be wronged by that man. He is the national treasure of Texans. I'll cherish him as such. So Derek Lewis by knockout. Something amazing. You know how it goes. Sergey wins. I'm not going to be terribly, terribly uh, shocked. Let's see what the next the next one on the card is. So Alexander Pantoja and Alex Perez at flyweight. This is a really fun fight. Um, where is our man ranked at? He's number four in the flyweight rankings right now, and so this is like a big one. He's beaten Brendan Royval most recently. He beat Manel Cape. He lost to Askar Askarov, which uh, uh, was a unanimous decision. That's not surprising. That's that's Askar's MO. He doesn't lose any unanimous decisions, guys. Uh, he beat Matt Schnell, who is no slump. Uh, he lost to Davison Figueredo. Uh, he beat several guys, Wilson Reyes, Lukas Sasaki, um, he beat Brendan Moreno back in the day in May of 2018 at the fight night Maya versus Usman, won a unanimous decision against Brendan Royval, so he's ranked number four, he's on a two-fight win streak, he's got a win over Brendan Moreno. This guy could be trouble. This guy could be trouble in the division if he gets a, if he gets a nice win in this one against Alex Perez. Let's see where Alex is ranked. Alex is uh, currently ranked number six in the flyweight division, and he's coming off a loss to Davidson Figueredo, of all people, back in 2020. It's been a little time since he's been in the octagon. Well, that might be bad. Um, but he TKO'd Juicier from Mega with leg kicks. That's violent. That, that hurts. That hurts. I can't, it hurts to watch that stuff. Um, he arm triangled Jordan Espinosa. He got a unanimous decision over Mark De La Rosa. Uh, he took a TKO loss to Joseph Benavidez. Um, but, you know, oh, he came in off the Contender Series. Wow. Man, it's crazy. I forget the Contender Series has been going on for that long. I'm getting old. Time's flying by, bro. They were doing the Contender Series in 2017, bro. I know I've seen it. I've been watching all the Contender Series shit for forever. So, you know, damn. I mean, we're talking Anaconda Choke, Anaconda Choke, TKOs, KOs, punches, arm triangles, TKOs, leg kicks, guillotines, uh... You know, so guillotines, anacondas, arm triangles. So it seems like he really likes the, the chokes and, and, the, and the, like, blood chokes. Um, it's been a little while since he fought. The last time he fought, he lost to Davidson Figueroa, which is top-level competition. But there's no telling how this gentleman's going to act. Um, so he's lower ranked. It's been longer since he fought. Homie's on a two-fight win streak. Been fighting recently. This guy's on a one-fight skid. Hasn't fought since November 21st of 2020. I am going to have to probably go with Alexander Pantosha. Um, but uh, these guys are both both explosive, fun guys at flyweight. It could go, it could go anyway. There's really, really no telling. And so then we have Magomed Ankalaev and Anthony Smith. That's a fun fight at light heavyweight. Um, you know, Magomed can be 
kind of boring. I mean, we're talking three straight unanimous decisions in a row against Nikita Krylov, Volkan Ozdemir, and Thiago Santos. So it's like all UDs. Um, but he's got, you know, some. He's got head kick knockout over Ion Kuse Lava, and I think that was the one where like they. Eon tried to say that he like was faking it and was trying to bait him in and so they gave him an immediate rematch and then he actually like KO'd him, like KO'd him, KO'd him, not even a TKO. Um, but wow, I mean this guy is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and one in the UFC. And his one loss is against Paul Craig. And Paul Craig is a tough test for anybody and it looks like they were fighting in England which is effectively home turf for Paul Craig and it was his first fight and it was a Paul Craig's first fight in the UFC but it was definitely Magomed and uh, yeah uh, Paul Craig got him in a triangle choke that's like typical Paul Craig activity so um, Nothing to nothing to really like discount here, right? You don't like I don't I don't feel like there's any like big blazing holes, right? Um, you got caught with a triangle choke by a dude who uh, strangles people for a living and does it very very effectively. But I mean, performance of the night against Ion Kute Lava, performance of the night against Dolcha Longabongoa. I'm sorry, but Lungimbala. I have no idea how to say that. I'm very sorry very difficult name for uh, an ill-educated American. Um, but another performance of the night against Marcin Coutinho. So, you know, it's like you never know what you're going to get. He's got three performance of the nights and three worrying unanimous decisions. So, um, you know, he, he's going to do what he needs to to win and if he can make it exciting, he's going to. Anthony Smith is a well-seasoned, uh, well, well-seasoned veteran, so I doubt that he's going to give him very much. I mean, right now, what's 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 our man ranked at here? Right now, Anthony Smith is ranked number five in the light heavyweight rankings, so it's a big step up for him. He's got three straight wins. Uh, a submission, a TKO due to Dr. Stoppage, and a rear naked choke. So a triangle choke, a rear naked choke, and a Dr. Stoppage TKO. He lost to Alexander Rekic, who is like a beast on the come up. He lost to Glover, who's literally the fucking champ. Well, was the champ up until uh, Yuri Prokoska uh, beat him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a very interesting fight had to pick it. I'm going to pick uh, Magomed Ankalaev. I feel like he's uh, on the come up right now. Like big time on the come up. I feel like he fights really smart even if it comes out boring and I think that he's going to do exactly what he needs to do in a cold mechanical way to like win a mixed martial arts contest against Anthony Smith. Um, if it turns into a dogfight brawl and it's like a fight not a mixed martial arts contest. Anthony Smith's gonna whoop that ass. Anthony Smith's got big power. He's scrappy with his chokes and stuff. But I feel like Magomed's one of those guys who's got like that ridiculous discipline. Who's gonna do exactly what he needs to in an egoless way and not get caught in something that he doesn't need to. 
Um, and I think that like the fight with the Bear Jew probably gave him a big wake up call. Like I can't just do what I want. These guys have skill sets where they can win right now. I don't think that he's going to make the same mistakes as he did against the Bear Jew back in the day, and that's going to be why he wins. So, um, sorry, Anthony Smith, you're my boy, big fan. Um, hope you proved me wrong. See you next back. back. Could just summon this cup from off screen. Let's see what else is happening on this card. Paula Costa versus Luke Rockhold got canceled. It's either because Paula Costa's fat or Luke is uh, Luke is injured. One of the two. Which look at me, I'm fucking fat, and so I get to talk shit about people being fat. Make no mistake about it. Be like, oh, you don't work out. I do work out. I just eat lots of carbs. Was actually 500 pounds at one point. So walking around at just under 300 feels pretty all right. Alex Morono versus Matthew Semmelsberger. Welterweight fight. That'll be fun. Drew Dover versus Rafael Alves. Drew Dover's been a lot of fun on his last couple fights. Um, and so um, it's going to be a fun fight. Dontel Mays versus Hamdi Abdelwabhab. I am unfamiliar, he's 5-0, and doesn't have a picture up, so, sorry, I don't know him, Jakar Close uh, versus Rafa Garcia, I mean, this is a good fight, Jakar Close is, is really, really good, and I'm happy to see him fighting, I hate that he's on the prelims, but, you know, go him, I mean, there's some early prelims, but nothing, nothing that I really want to talk about. And uh, that's effectively the preview for 277. We are going to talk about some other cards real quick, but one bit of news that I want to talk about is that Nate Diaz is finally booked. And it's an assassination attempt, as uh, Dan Hardy put it. Um, they're putting him in there against Chimeyev, who is like young, hungry beast skill set that doesn't necessarily line up in a friendly way for Nate. It's just not a friendly matchup. And definitely seems like they're trying to set Chimeyev up, right? Like they're trying to give Chimeyev a fight with a big start they think he can win so that he can go on and do big things and be a cash cow for the UFC. And they're just going to throw Nick, uh, Nate to the meat grinder and fuck it, whatever happens to him after happens, you know, whatever, they don't really give a shit, they know he wants out, and so, it definitely seems like maybe not the, the most pleasant thing, um, but, uh, you know, knowing how Nate is typically operated, Nate's definitely of the mind that he's gonna whoop that ass, and that, uh, he's gonna steal all that thunder, right, like, man, if he wins, he's going to blow the fucking roof off the world, just like he did when he beat Connor. People forget that Nate is that dude who beat Connor. He won the like Ultimate Fighter back in the day. Like homie has been winning unwinnable fights for his whole career, and you cannot count the guy out. Like if there's ever a dude who's had a puncher's chance, I mean, just look back on that Leon Edwards fight. Leon won the fight, dude. He won every round of the fight. Probably even won the fifth round. The only thing that anyone remembers is that Nate Diaz stung him in the fifth round and had him 
had him. And that's what people that's what people love about Nate Diaz, man, is that if it's like a no-holds-barred fight to infinity, fight to the death, just you're gonna, Nate's going to get you. Nate's going to get you. And everyone knows that. And so he's like a Terminator, man. Um, but again, I don't think that the Chimeyev matchup is necessarily very friendly. I don't think it's going to necessarily go his way. My head picks Chimeyev. My heart picks Nate. Um, either way, uh, it's going to be good for the UFC. They're going to get lots of money. Alright. So, switching on over to the Blades versus Aspen. Yeah, is that the most recent set of fights? Yes, Blades versus Aspinall. Here we are. So, this was a fun card. Um, really, really fun card, man. Uh, England turned out. Um, those guys really love the sport. Therefore, I really love them. Like, gang, gang. We're all here under the mixed martial arts umbrella. And uh, I'm glad that, uh, that that whole entire country is being friendly to the sport as a whole. Um, the main event, man, crazy. It seems like several main events here recently have kind of gone this way. Um, but Curtis Blades got a first round TKO in 15 seconds. Um, Tom Aspinall threw a leg kick. It seemed to land effectively, but it seemed like uh, he was a little off balance. Maybe he was a little too far forward, and he was like leaning, he was falling backwards. And whenever he put his foot back down to kind of catch himself, it blew something in his knee. I did a little reading before I uh, before I recorded the podcast and tried to see if I could find anything on what exactly happened. And there still aren't any official reports that I was able to put my hands on in terms of what happened to Tom Aspinall's knee. But what I do know happened to it is that he fucked it up and he couldn't continue fighting and Curtis Blades got the win in front of Tom Aspinall's home crowd. And uh, man, you know, the risk reward benefit on leg kicks, I don't know if it's there. I mean, Anderson Silva turned his leg into spaghetti, Chris Weidman turned his leg into spaghetti, Tom Aspinall just blew his knee up like, like a fucking grenade went off in there. Um, yeah, man, um, the leg kicks are rough. I mean, Derek Lewis, I ain't ever thrown a leg kick ever again after he saw what happened to Chris Weidman. And so, it's rough, man. Um, like guys are legit taking like career-delaying slash career-ending injuries over these fucking leg kicks. Um, and it's typically the guys delivering the leg kicks that are taking the worst injuries. I've never seen someone take a leg kick and just snap their shit. Except Conor McGregor. Um, <laughs> there's fanboys upset about that, but he got kicked and his leg snapped. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Sorry. Fucker should have ate his weeds with extra calcium milk. But Curtis Blades, uh, on its hair, man, uh, got a unanimous decision over Jarzinho Rosenstring. TKO'd Chris Dawkins. TKO'd Tom Aspinall. Lost to Derek Lewis, but then had four wins in a row. Uh, and then right then had lost to Francis and then had six wins in a row and then lost at lost to Francis before that and so I mean come on dude his wow 
His first fight in the UFC was against Francis Ngannou, and it was a doctor stoppage. What a motherfucking welcome fight to the UFC, my dude. And then to win six in a row, and then just to lose to Francis again, and then win four more. Homie's lost ten, homie won ten fights in a row to people who weren't named Francis Ngannou until he ran into Derek Lewis. And then he's won three straight more. And so the guy's great. I mean, what he did to Alistair Overeem with them elbows was some of the most vicious shit I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, he's a threat, man. But, I mean, the guys in front of him are Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou, guys who have knocked him out. Francis has taken him out twice, and Derek. Um, I love what uh, Curtis Blades had to say whenever they asked who, who hit harder, Francis Ngannou or Derek Lewis, and he said that he was coherent the entire time after getting punched by Francis Ngannou, but um, when he got hit by Derek Lewis, he woke up in an ambulance, and so he knows who hits harder, and I think that you can kind of reach the conclusion on your own based on what he just said. Um, and so, I don't know, I'm just a big Derek Lewis, uh, Lone Star State job rider, so any anytime I get to get who punches harder than Francis Ngannou, I'm going to be like, oh, my pussy's juicy. Um, but let's see what's up with Tom Aspinall real quick. I mean, so dude's on a tear, right? I mean, one, two, three, four, five straight wins in the UFC. TKO'd Jake Collier, TKO'd Alan Boudot, submitted Andre Orlovsky, TKO'd Sergey Spivak, submitted Alexander Volkov, and then blew his knee out against Curtis Blades. So. He's currently ranked number six. He's got to recover his knee. He's going to come back and he's going to have to fight somebody. I mean, there are guys like uh, Ty Tsubasa, rematch with Curtis Blades, um, Chris Dawkins fights. So Chris Dawkins has taken a couple L's. But it's if Sergey Pavlovich wins against uh, Derek Lewis, that could be a fun fight. But, I mean, we're going to see how long it takes. I mean, Ngannou might never have a fight again, you know, when, when it comes to this knee shit. He might have just blew everything out. That might be the last we ever see of him. I really hope it's not the case. This is my guy. I'm a big, big jock rider. I have him marked down as a future champion. So, that's not what I'm hoping for. I'm just speaking frankly on the severity of the situation. Um, I really, really hope he comes back, and I really, really hope to see him with, with gold wrapped around his waist at some point. Uh, Jack Hermanson uh, won a unanimous decision against Chris Curtis. It was really one-sided the entire time. Um, it was a very atypical performance out of Jack Hermanson, right? Um, granted, he'd been training for uh, a Darren Till fight, and Darren Till had to step out, and Chris Curtis stepped in on short notice, and good on him. Um, but typically, Jack Hermanson's like a guy who like comes forward, goes through you, body work, um, high guard, straight punches down the middle, push you up against the cage, beat you up, throw you on the ground, like just always all over you, always smothering you. And he was like uh, backing up and counterpunching this whole fight, which was definitely not uh, what I was expecting. I don't think it was what Chris Curtis was expecting either. And you could tell that Chris Curtis was like very visib visibly frustrated with the situation, like flipping off Jack Hermanson and stuff. And uh, you know, I don't necessarily like that, but I do understand the frustration when you're fighting a guy who's just like, oh, laying you the entire time. Um, but 
Jack Hermanson. Let's see what he's been up to. I mean, he's kind of salty, man. He just won against Chris Curtis, but he had lost against John Strickland in a split decision. He beat Edmund Shabazian um, back in May of 2021. He lost to Marvin Vittori back in December of 2020. He beat Kelvin Gaslam and, uh, before that in July of the same year, and he lost to Jared Cannonier. But before that, he had four wins in a row. I mean, so he's lost to Jared Cannonier, beat Kelvin Gaslam, lost to Marvin Vittori, beat Edmund Shabazian, lost Sean Strickland. I mean, there's no one in that list who isn't in the top five that he just lost to. Sean Strickland was number four. I think he may have dropped out of the top five after getting knocked out, starched by Alex Cahaya. Um, but he was definitely in the top five for a minute. Marvin Vittori's like a top three guy. Maybe you don't know the exact rankings. I'm not going to look it up. And Jared Cannonier, I mean, just lost to the champion. So these are all guys who uh, have challenged for the belt. Jared, Can Jared challenged for the belt. Marvin challenged for the belt. And Sean just lost in a title eliminator fight. And so it's not like these guys are scrubs. Um, and, you know, he's not going anywhere. It's just a little salty. He's up at the top of the rankings right now. Um, where is he ranked right now? He's... Uh, doesn't say right here. Let's check the other, let's check the other spots. Jack Hermanson's number eight currently. So this is the number eight versus number nine fight. So Sean dropped down to number seven. Alex Cahaya jumped all the way to number five. So Jack Hermanson, I mean, a fun fight could be like uh, Derek Brunson, but Derek Brunson's on a hot streak right now. He might be trying to catch his rocket ship back up to Israel. Marvin Vittori could be a potentially fun fight from the rematch. Jared Cannonier just came off a loss, be a fun rematch. Um, but again, he's like, win-loss, win-loss. Like, usually you get rematches when you've won a couple fights in a row. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay, cool, let's see. Um, Paulo Costa, I don't know if he's ever making weight again. Um, and so, like, up above him, you know, it's either guys he's lost to or guys who are challenging for the title. I mean, Robert Whitaker's there, but I don't know if you could fight Robert Whitaker if you just want to fight against a guy who came in on short notice as the number eight guy. So, uh, you know, he may, be, he may have to fight like an Andre Munez or uh, a Drikas Duplicius or, you know, someone like that do a little gatekeeping. We're going to see. Um, he's a good fighter, though, man. I'd, I'd love to see him fight someone in the bottom in the bottom third of the top 15 and maybe someone on the come up so that he could um, have a fight against someone who isn't a, such a fucking shark and get his, you know, another, another Chris Curtis fight, let him get another win, let him kind of build his brand a little bit. Built it up a little bit, see what we can see what we can spin. See what we can spin. Patty Pimblet, dude's a beast. He teabagged Jordan Levitt just like he said he was going to. Um, beautiful submission, halfway, a little over halfway through the second round. Uh, dude looked great. Um, yeah, you know, he looked great. Uh, is he ranked at all right now? I'm not entirely certain, but I mean, could you imagine him fighting someone like uh, was he at 55 now? Yeah, I mean, he was a he was a featherweight and he's at 55. I mean, could you imagine him fighting like an Islam Makhachev? I just don't think that he's got that level of core strength to bang with the biggest guys in this division. But I mean, I might be wrong. I haven't seen him against the top of the division. I've only seen him against the Jordan Levitts of the division, so I don't know exactly how big he is standing next to Islam Makhachev or uh, you know Benil Dariush. I don't know you know what type of core strength he's really working with. If he can. If he can bang in the grappling against the very, very, very top of the 55ers, then he's a real, real 
uh, trouble. He's big time trouble. But you know, I feel like there are guys at the top of 35 who are going to have good enough wrestling to negate his jujitsu, and um, it's going to be down to the stand up. And he's got good stand up, um, but I, I think it's going to not be like as over the top in his favor. I mean, he KO'd Luigi Vendramini, and he submitted Rodrigo Vargas after hurting him on the feet. But Jordan Levitt, he didn't really hurt on the feet. Jordan Levitt looked like he was ready to bang with him on the feet, and then he just uh, got to the back, body triangle. All three performance of the nights, though. Like, performance of the night after performance of the night after performance of the night. Two times he's fought in, in, in London in front of his home crowd. So, I mean, the guy, the guy's a lot of fun. Make no mistake about it, he's a lot of fun. And, uh, I mean, has he ranked at all? I don't believe he's ranked. Let's take a look at the other the other resource that I have real quick. Yeah, so he's not he's not in the top fifteen right now. So he could definitely um I mean wow, guys like Jalen Turner, Tony Ferguson, Armand Securian. Boy, let me tell you, lightweight is a fucking shark tank right now. Woo. Woo. I don't want to fight any of these people. But he's going to have to. We're going to see where he lands. Maybe a Jalen Turner. Maybe a Dan Hooker. Maybe a Tony Ferguson on the way down. Start gatekeeping the top 15. Demiris Magulov's there. But he's going to on the come up. You don't like to have your two guys on the come up. Knocking each other off. Um, you want to build their brands independently. So that they can be bigger down the road. At least if I'm running the UFC. Let's see what happened next. Oh, Nikita Krylov uh, beat the shit out of Alexander Gustafson. Alexander Gustafson looked slow and like he was chinny. And that is a bad, bad mix when you're fighting big old boys at 205. DC, I think, said it best. Time to hang those gloves up, man. Road miles. Too many miles. Next was... Oh, well, let's look at what's next for Nikita Krilov. Is Nikita ranked at all? He's number 11 in the UFC at light heavyweight right now. I mean, it's salty. We're talking win, loss, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And his last, so it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. His last fights, and he's three and four in his last seven. But I mean, you know, he beat Alexander Gustafson, which maybe is a little sus with him coming back and not having fought for so long. But he lost to Paul Craig, who just lost to both of those demirs. So that gives you a little bit of perspective on how good Paul Craig is. Paul Craig's good, but up here at the top, he's, you know middle of the pack at the very top. He lost to Magomed Ankalaev. There's nothing, nothing to scoff at about that. Magomed's a beast. He beat Johnny Walker, which is fun. He lost to Glover, who's the, you know, was just the champ. Like, I, like before Glover was the champ, I might have, like, shit on him for that one. Like, you lost to old man Glover. Like, no, nah, man, Glover's a fucking tank, and, and it is what it is. Uh, he beat Ovid St. Preux, and he lost to Jan Blachowicz. So, I mean, he lost to two guys who held the belt 
and then he lost to two of like the top 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 competitors right now we managed to send an up-and-comer Johnny Walker packing. He managed to send a vet OST packing, and he managed to send a vet Alexander Gustafson packing. So, um, we're gonna see what happens next, man. I mean, he's number eleven. He's a light heavyweight. You know, there's people like Ryan Spam, Jamal Hill, Volkan Ozdemir. Dustin Jacoby, Jimmy Cruz, these are all potentially fun fights for him. So we'll see uh, what they wind up deciding to do. Next is Molly McCann, who uh, got a first round TKO over Hannah Goldie. It was it was exceptional. Um, there was a moment where like they were kind of boxing and Hannah was backing up and Molly kind of like pushed her into the cage and timed. Hannah bouncing off the cage and threw a spinning elbow at her and uh, it really hurt her and then she just swarmed her, hit her with several big shots, I think it was the left down the middle that wound up really dropping her, the left hook, something like that. Uh, something short and tight is the bottom line. And uh, Molly's so much fun, dude. She hopped out of the cage, ran around, jumped into Prezi's arm, uh, was cage side and in the cage and over Patty won. I mean, her and, I mean, Molly Meatball. Come on, dude. You're fun. You're a fun character. She's a really fun girl. I bet she's a fucking hoot to have a pint with. Fucking call me. Whatever. Um, light heavyweight. There was uh, Vulcan Ozdemir beat Paul Craig, as we had mentioned earlier. Um, let's see if there's anything on the preliminary card I want to talk about. Mark Casey beat Demir Hezovich, which... Uh, Mark is at a new uh, gym here in his last couple fights and uh, he's like wrestling and like he's super athletic super strong and so he's able to do it very effectively and then once he like kind of wears guys out and they get into these stand-up exchanges he's Mark D. Casey he's a fucking badass so like he's looking great in the stand-up and he's getting and the difference between him and the guys he's fighting looks greater because he's zapping their energy whenever he wrestles them first for a little while. So, uh, really, really proud of Mark. He's got a really good, obviously got a really good team behind him. He's being smart and uh, mixing up all the tools that he has in his toolbox effectively to get to wins. Um, yeah, really, really happy for him to see him to see him uh, moving in the right way. Uh, Mark Khan Amir Khani lost a TKO to Jonathan Pierce. Good on Jonathan Pierce. I was pulling for Mark Juan. Fun fighter, but uh, Jonathan Pierce's time. He's on the come up. It's that, it's that simple. Alright. I reckon that's enough on that one. The next one is going to be Ortega versus Rodriguez. Let's see if I can find that one. Here we go. Uh, Ortega versus Rodriguez. And again, remember literally just the just the literal last card that we were just talking about uh, with Blades versus Aspinall, how Aspinall blew his knee apart um, in, the, in 15 seconds into the first round. Brian Ortega ripped his shoulder apart four minutes into their fight. Um, with Yair Rodriguez, Yair was like going for an arm bar and Brian Ortega went to yank his arm out and it just popped it out of socket or something. And, uh, and he's in a lot of pain, uh, immediately fell back holding it once and it. Yair immediately recognized it and didn't continue fighting like a solid sportsman. 
and uh, and they called the fight immediately, right then and there. Um, and you know, I know that Brian has had surgery on that shoulder a couple times, um, and I think that he even said that he's fearful that he may have to get a third surgery on that shoulder. And so that's rough. You hate to hear that. It's a tough sport, man. You know, you have a guy in Yair Rodriguez literally trying to rip your arm off and you tried to yank it out of there and you hurt yourself, man. And that's mixed martial arts. Tough, tough sport. I, I really sincerely hope for a speedy recovery for Brian Ortega. I mean, he's at the tip of the spear. He's ranked number three, right? <laughs> at the tip of the spear. But I mean, he's salty, right? Lost to Yair, lost to Volkanovsamir, won against Chan Sang Jung, lost to Max Holloway, and then it's like all wins after that, right? But like up here at the top, it's kind of salty. Um, got T, uh, TKO'd against Max Holloway, hurt him so bad that the doctor had to stop it. Won a unanimous decision against Chan Sang Jung. But I mean, we saw what Alexander Volkanovsky did to Chan Sang Jung. I think that Chan Sang Jung is a little old. A little old school um, and is just getting passed up by the new breed. But then lost to Alexander Volkanovsky. So there's no shame in losing to Max or Alexander Volkanovsky at all. And then the loss to Yair Rodriguez, TKO, Dr. Stoppage, shoulder injury. I'm not prepared to really hold it against him. I mean, you know, you can't just keep getting injured, right? Like if this fucking happens in his next fight. Again, then it's like, bruh, bruh, this can't keep happening. You gotta, you gotta look after your health, right? You can't just be 60 and not be able to use your right arm anymore because you keep blowing it apart doing mixed martial arts. I need, I want better form. What was the next fight that happened? Uh, Michelle Waterson uh, lost to Amanda Lemos uh, in the second round, about two minutes in. Uh, she got submitted. I'm always pulling for the karate hottie, you know, she's a fucking bombshell mega dime piece, um, so I believe that she, like, used to be a ring girl, like, she's got a fun story, man, um, but lost via guillotine choke, um, to uh, Amanda Lemos, uh, Amanda Lemos, uh, is one, and one, two, three, one in six in her last fight, in her last seven, and two in six in her last eight. So she's two and six in the UFC entirely. And uh, I mean, that's impressive, man. So I've only lost to Jessica Andrade. Oh, and shit, that was that crazy, like, standing arm triangle choke. Yeah, that was a crazy deal. I don't think that they really train you for how to get out of that. I don't think that that's, like, a thing that people typically do. I think that. Um, that standing arm triangle choke is like in the same category as that uh, slam, right? Whenever she knocked out um, old, uh, old buzz cut, um, Rose Nama Yunus, um, even as she was like about to slam um, uh, Nama Yunus. Dominic Cruz was like, you can't slam from this position, and then she like sends her to the shadow realm, right, and like you don't typically arm triangle choke somebody while you're standing, and yet she proceeded to do that, so Jessica Andrade finds ways to win in really unique ways because she's a super explosive, super violent human being, and so that's life, man, I'm not too mad at you for losing to Jessica Andrade by way of her being a freak.
Um, but she's number eight in the UFC's uh, strawweight rankings. And so let's see what's happening in strawweight. I mean, Keisha Torres is up there. That's fun. Um, Jan Zanon is fun. Mackenzie Dern is fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's fun fights. There's fun fights in strawweight. Ain't no, ain't no shortage of fun fights in strawweight at all. Uh, moving on, Li Ji Lang got a TKO over Muslam Salakov. I'm so happy that this fight went this way, man. Li Ji Lang is such a fun fighter, and Muslam was being uh, not entertaining at all. That would be the way that I would describe the way he was fighting. And uh, I'm very, very happy that Li Ji Lang got the knockout. He's a funner fighter for me. And uh, I want to see uh, me being entertained, being rewarded in the UFC. And also, we, when you win, you get rewarded now. And so he's entertaining and won. And so he's going to get the rewards that I would hope an entertaining fighter would get as a winner. Matthew Christopher Schnell submitted Sue Maderji, which is a fun fight. It's like a really, really fun fight. I had a lot of fun with this fight. Um, it's flyweight, flyweight shark tank. Good luck. Uh, Shane Burgos got a three-round decision over Charles Jordan. Lauren Murphy got a three-round decision over Misha Tate. Which, man, she beat the shit out of Misha Tate. Man, I'm so sick of seeing Misha Tate get her ass kicked. She's so fine. She does not need to be getting her ass kicked on national TV anymore. I'm sorry. Head movement ain't there. Head's always on the center line. Always getting busted up. Just like the bottom, bottom line, you know? Always getting busted up. This guy's a lot of fun. Panahele Soriano uh, knocked out Dolce Lungambala. Lungambula. So sorry that I've had that much trouble saying that man's name. But, uh, so I mentioned him earlier. He is on someone else's resume that we talked about earlier because I don't believe that um, I was talking about this fight earlier. But, Soriano uh, is a fun fighter man, uh, those big bombs, big looping punches, real fun, makes all his fights fun, and uh, got the job done. Ricky Simone submitted Jack Shore. I was thinking Jack Shore was going to get it done, but uh, don't pick against Ricky Simone. Really, really, really good skill set. Really, really tenacious. Took the back. There was no stopping him at that point. Bill Algio uh, TKO'd Herbert Burns. I don't know what happened here. It looked like Albert Burns just gave up. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say someone gave up because they're, you know, amazing competitors and, um, you know, they deserve all the respect. But I couldn't see anything really visible that happened. It just seemed like he was really, really exhausted and uh, had went to the ground. And Bill didn't want any part of that and told him to stand up. And he didn't have the strength of will to stand up. And that was that. Dustin Jacoby got a first round knockout over Jung Da uh, Un, light heavyweight, 18 and 5 on the come up. We're going to see. And that's about as far as I'm going to take it on that one. And is that the last one that we're talking about? Nope, we have one more that we're going to talk about. It's. Dos Anjos versus Fazeev. I uh, had Rafael pick to win this one. <coughs> Fucking terrible jokes. Um, even when, and what's worse is that whenever I text that to my group of guys, no one even got it. But Rafael Fazeev, 
the Beast, 12 and 1, lots of fun. Love watching him fight. Let's see what his most recent record is looking like. Yeah, I mean, so he's only lost one fight in the UFC, and it was his very first fight against Magomed Mustafaev. Um, fought in M1, Magomed fought in M1 in the UFC. I mean, this is back in 2019. It was a TKO to a spinning back kick. And so it was just like some wild shit, which is funny now because uh, Fazeev throws lots of back kicks. So, I mean, he's won one, two, three, four, five, six in a row in the UFC. Alex White, Mark DeCasey, Renato Moicano, Bobby Green, Brad Riddell. I mean, we're talking one, two, three, three knockouts, three decisions. Um, it's a fun guy. Really fun guy. Um, yeah, I like watching him fight. Um, I really do. He's a, he, he throws really, really powerful kicks. He's an aggressive guy. And uh, he's number seven in the, light heavy, in the lightweight rankings right now, which we all know lightweight's a, a shark tank. Um, we're going to see what comes next for him. RDA, he took a hard L. That's life. Um, he also, but I mean, he's won against Renato Moicano and Paul Felder, which are two old heads. Um, then he had lost to Michael Chiesa and Leon Edwards, who are two kind of younger heads. Michael Chiesa is kind of not really young yet anymore. But, you know, first time he's fought a, a young up-and-comer in a hot minute, and he, uh, he got pretty effectively smoked. So, um, I'm not super, super high on, uh, him as, like, a potential future champion. I think he's going to be pretty much stuck at uh, doing some gatekeeping at this point, and I think he's going to make really fun fights. All of his fights are really fun. Next, we had Chow Baralho. Got a three-round decision over Armin Petrosian. Chow's a lot of fun. I really like watching him fight. Um, he's an interesting character. Um, he's got two decisions in a row. Um, he also uh, got a TKO over Jesse Murray back in the day. And the last thing I want to talk about is uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov. Obviously, he's got that name, um, but don't be mistaken. He likes to kickbox. He's 16 and two. His funds are pretty. His fights are pretty fun. His uh, record in the UFC is one, two, three, four, five, five and one. He's won three in a row, and he's currently ranked. Um, so he's ranked somewhere. He's ranked super high up. Let's see where he's ranked right now, just just for the sake of uh, being academic with it. Oh, Syed isn't ranked right now. Excuse me, but he's on the come up, um, and so it'll be fun to see who he gets next. But this one has ran a little longer than I was expecting it to. Obviously, had a lot to say today. Um, really, really excited about going and seeing 277 in person. Um, and I can't wait to report back to you guys on how I feel about it all, as well as uh, taking a thorough look forward at the fights on the, on the horizon uh, between 277 and 278. And again, this is Joshua with Armchair MMA. Thank you guys so much, Armchair Arm, for tuning in. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.